Praise the Lord. This is the third Friday of this year. And I'm sure the time we enter this year, many of us, we might have made one promise or the other. One resolution, one or two things that, okay, this year, this is what I'm going to do. Unfortunately, many resolutions that are made before the middle of the month, like today, (laughs) we are forgotten about it. So, children of God, we need to have priority for whatever we are doing. We need to prioritize whatever we want to do this year. 2014 has gone and gone forever. You can only hear that in history. It will never come again. Whatever you have done last year is gone. You are in another year. You need to plan your life. You need to identify what you are going to do for God. You need to know exactly where you are going. Even though if you don't know where you are coming from, you should be able to know that this is where I'm going. And I pray that we should all go to the glorious home in Jesus' name. So, children of God, this morning, I want us to talk about priority. Priority. That is not the main topic that I'm going to talk about this morning, but it's going to be on priority. I will tell you the topic of my message. We'll be, today we'll be examining some things that uh, must take precedence. In the life of a child of God. As a child of God, there are some things that need to take precedence in your life. That you should always be thinking of. One of these is that love must be a priority. The Bible says in the book of Corinthians 1, 13, 1. I may be able to speak the language of human beings and even of angels, but... If I have no love, my speech is no more than noisy gong or clanging bell. So there is need for us to have love for one another. If you are not having enough, you are thinking maybe one way or the other, there is some area you don't have the requirements that can say, yes, you have the love. Please examine yourself. Another priority area is that worship must be a priority. The Bible says in the Second Chronicle 7, when the people of Israel saw the fire fall from heaven and the light fill the temple, they first face down on the pavement, worshiping God and praising him for his goodness and his eternal love. Children of God, we, we are worshipping God. I know that the praise and worship team, they have been doing wonderful things. But are you worshipping God in your own closet? How do you worship God? I will give you a testimony. I was in one office in Rui some few days back. Somebody saw me and said, Oh, brother, you attend Bread of Life. I said, yes. He said, glory be to God. I was invited to one program there. And I was very happy the way you people are worshipping there. I could see people are very happy. They were jumping. 
They were dancing. They were praising God. All glory go to God. For what God is using the praise and worship team to do in this assembly. And that brother, he told me, he said, can I have your number? I said, yes. He gave me his card. He said, anytime you are doing something, please invite me. I love to be there. So you can see what worshiping is doing. So how are you worshiping God? Is it only here you are worshiping God? Or maybe when something happens, you make a success in your office, you start praising yourself. There's need for us to appreciate God, to worship God. Another area of powerism, priority is evangelism must be a priority. And this is where I'm going this morning. So that is my topic. Evangelism must be a powerism. Priority. Simply, what is evangelism? Evangelism is simply defined as spreading of Christianity. And when you talk of evangelism, you talk of evangelist. As a kid, when I was growing up in a village, I could remember vividly that as early as possible in the morning, you will be hearing someone jingling bed. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. As early as five o'clock in the morning in the village, people will be coming out to these people. Please pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. These are the people I know that time to be evangelists. I see them that they are going around waking, they don't, waking up people. They don't sleep up to maybe early in the morning. Quickly, it is their bed that will, that will wake you up. And people will come outside. Maybe some of us have such experience as well. As I continue to grow up, when I moved to the city, I happened to, as at the time I was in the village, I was Anglican member. But when I moved to the city, I joined Pentecostal church as a young kid. And in this particular church, now the, my concept of evangelist changed. Because whenever there is an evangelist in our church, it means there will be revival. It can be one week revival, two weeks, or even one month. So, as a kid, I always look at those people as evangelists. But today, when we talk of evangelists, I'm sure many of us will be thinking of somebody that is wearing having a suit, a wet tailor shirt, with maybe King James Version Bible in his hand, telling you repent. If you don't repent, you will go to hell. Maybe that is what we are looking at as an evangelist. But to me, it is no. Not just that only. Evangelist is, is what you see when you look into a mirror. When you look into a mirror, what you see is an evangelist. And I don't know whom you are going to see. Maybe you see your grandfather or grandmother, but I'm seeing myself whenever I look at the mirror. When you are safe, as a Christian, when you are safe, 
When you are born again, the Bible says all things have passed away. The moment you are saved, you are an evangelist. Because your duty and your responsibility is to tell others what Jesus has done for you. This morning when uh, Brother Claudio was giving the announcement and the intercession, he, he mentioned something like motivation. I was just smiling with him because he asked, he said, you do something because you have motive. You are obeying God because you want to. A servant is obeying his, his boss, his or her boss, because he has to. You obey your boss in the office because you need to. So there should be motivation for evangelism. This morning, we are going to be looking at the book of Mark. I want everyone to open our Bible to this uh, book of Mark. Basically, we are going to be looking into three verses there. That is the major thing we are going to be looking at. Mark 5, 18, 19, and 20. These are the verses we are going to talk about this morning. Even though we might digress a little bit to the earlier verses of this uh, chapter. If I can quickly remind you, the story that in Mark 5 illustrates perfectly what we are called to accomplish for Jesus. The man in the story was greatly impacted and completely transformed by Jesus Christ. And Jesus told him, go tell others. He has been given assignment. He has been ordained as an evangelist to go tell the others. So this morning, like I said, we are going to jointly, that's why I ask you to open your Bible to the book of Mark 5. Jointly, we are going to be examining the account of the man in that story. We all know that this man was possessed with legion of demons and if you look into that, then consider the thought of evangelism must be a priority. Once again, Mark 5, open it. We might be looking at verses 1 to 20, but my major verses are 18 to 20. Now, we will jointly examine the account of this man, like I said. He was possessed with legions of uh, demons. When they say legion, it means multitude. Not just one. Plenty of demons. Verse 18. Tell us about the motive. The motive for the evangelism in the life of this man. There are reasons why we do so many things that we are doing. You go to work. Why do you go to work? You do recreation activities. Why, did, why are you doing this? Even when you close at work, you go back home. Why are you doing this? 
there are motives for doing this. For doing all these things. You go to work before because you need money. That is what motivates you to go to work. If you don't need money, you sleep. You want money. You need it. That is the motivation for you to go to work. You do recreation activities because you want to relax. Or work without plague. Maybe make Francis a dull boy. So you need to do this. And what motivates you in doing all these things is because you want to relax. Again, you go back home when you close because you love your family. You can't come to my house. You can't go to a friend's house. You need to go back to your family. If you don't like your family, if they are troubling you, you can decide not to go home. So, these are the motivations that make you to do so many things. Like we had this morning, you have motivation to obey God. You have motivation to do so many things. So, begin to think within yourself. What is the motivation in you? So, in the life of this man, there are motivations for him to make to for him to be an evangelist i'm going to talk about uh, first what is motive for evangelism for this man a life that has been transformed by christ verse 18 and when he was come into the sheep, he that has been possessed with the devil, pray him that he might be with him. There is reason for this man to take that decision. When Jesus Christ set him free, people came, they were praying him, praying Jesus to leave their coast. This man was motivated because of what Jesus has done in his life. He went straight to him and said, he wants to go with him. Now, let us examine one by one. What are these motivations? What motivates him that made him to go to Jesus Christ? Number one, the painful past condition. This man was possessed with unclean spirit. Verse 2, if we look at verse 2 of that, but, and when he was come out of the sheep, immediately met him out of the tomb, a man with unclean spirit. That is part of the painful experience that this man was having. This man was living among the dead. Now, I want you to think deep in you. Somebody decided to rent an apartment. He couldn't get anywhere to rent it. Then he, maybe he goes to Lulu and buy some tents and look for graveyard and set it there. How will you view that person? This man was living in the tomb. He was living in the graveyard. Vastiria, who had his dwelling among the tomb? These are painful past experiences for this man. Again, no one could help him. No one. No one is ready to help this man. Number one, 
the kind of area he has chosen to live, we made people to be scared of him. And I know even as we love our parents or our aged one, once they pass away, what we can do is to follow them to a certain level. At a point, everybody will turn back. You know what I'm talking about. So you can imagine this man living his life in a graveyard, in the tomb, among the dead. So that means he is not, he was not in his right sense at all. He wasn't. Because somebody with his sense will not choose that particular place to live. And I pray that as God liveth, we will not live in the wrong place in the mighty name of Jesus. Not just that alone, we will not dwell in the wrong place in the mighty name of Jesus. As I go on, you will know why you don't have to live in the wrong place. Why you don't have to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But this man had been living around grave. Verse 3b says, No man could bind him. No one. They can't. These are part of his painful past. Painful past. No one. Not even with chain. Because they have tried. If you look at verse 4. People have tried to help him. To chain him down. With shackle. If you see how slaves have been taken in the olden days. That is slave. But we are talking with somebody that is living with legions of a demon. So no one could help him. They have tried to help him to shame him down so that at least his suffering can be minimized. In some area where we have lunatics, the best way to help them is to shame them down. And I pray wherever they are now, God will stretch his hand and set them free in the mighty name of Jesus. Nobody wants to have lunatic as relative. Likewise, we don't want to be friend of them. But sometimes it is not by their making. So wherever they are, God will set them free in Jesus' name. So this man has been helped just to shame him down. But the, the, what is dwelling in him is greater than him. That is able to pull those chains. He was able to pull them. He was able to shatter all the, all the shackles that have been used to tie him down. And suddenly, he received healing. He was set free. Looking at all this painful past experience, is that not enough to motivate him that, no, wherever you go, I will follow you. This was exactly why the man wants to go with Jesus. So what has God done for you that can motivate you? If you are thinking God has not done anything for you, I'm telling you, for sleeping and waking up this morning, <laughs> he has done great things. A lot of people slept last night. They are no more. So for waking up alone is a motivation for you to worship God. It's part of the motivation for you to evangelize for God. This man... Again, he was in continuous agony. Verse 5. 
And always night and day, he was in the mountain and in the tomb, crying and cutting himself with stone. Any one of us who have seen a madman, a chronic madman, we know how they suffer. Some of them, they can be hitting themselves. Some will not even look at the road before they cross road. And that kind of person suddenly set free. That is enough for him to be motivated to worship God. Number two, I'm still talking about the motive for the evangelism in the life of this man. So, like I said, number one is the motive. It is the painful past condition. Why number two is the powerful permanent changes. There is sudden change in his life. Sudden. He was not expecting it. Even the, the people there, they were not thinking that that very day this man will be set free. He had an encounter with Jesus. Verse 8. I jump to verse 8 now. For he said unto him, Okay. He had an encounter with Jesus. When he had that encounter, I remember when the NG for Christ were giving this same thing I'm talking about. It happened here as part of their think outreach or so. I was privileged to be sitting here in one of the Ariasa. And I heard, Come out of him! This man had a counter with Jesus. Immediately Jesus decreed, Come out of him! That legion, the multitude of spirit in him was commanded to get out of him. And what happened? Verse 8. He said unto him, Come out of this man, thou unclean spirit. And Jesus asked, What is thy name? That's verse 9. You see, the spirit even get mind to answer that question. They get what we call mind because there are some things that if you don't have mind, you can't do it. Where the boy are no longer boy and they become man. They have the mind to reply Jesus. And what do they say? Verse 10. And he besought him much that he will not send them away. Look at how it's written here. He. Who is that he? He's the man. But in the, in, he said so that he will not send them away. It means it was the man that was even talking. Don't send them away. Can you see somebody that is in trouble? So he was telling them, don't send them away. Verse 11. Before then, I go to back to verse 10. It says, And he besought him much that he will not send them away out of the country. Yes. Not just out of the man. It's like if you say send something away, it can be out and be somewhere. But already... The spirit is even saying, don't send us away out of the country. They want to remain in that country. 
That was their plan. And why are they thinking that? So that if they are away from this one, they go to another one. And look at what they say. Because when iron sharpen iron, one will bend. As they were talking, they discovered that he that was talking with them is greater than them. Quickly they make another request. That is, we say they get liver. That is how we put it in Nigeria. When you have the mind to challenge somebody, so, so this brother get liver. That is how when you talk like that in Nigeria, Nigerians will understand what, exactly what it means. So these spirits, they got liver. They have the mind to even make further requests. And what do they say? Verse 12. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. That is why I said, you will not be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, this swine belongs to somebody. According to the Bible, it's a group of people, because the Bible used they. It means, the owner of this swine, they are in the wrong place at the wrong time. That is why, brethren, when we are praying here, somebody is by your side praying. Try to open your mouth and pray because you don't know what he's saying. Maybe he's saying, all my trouble, God send them away. All my trouble, God send them away. And you refuse to talk. Maybe that kind of spirit that is the trouble or whatever that is sending away, they are this type. If they see you, I do. Brethren, Open your mouth and pray. Praise the Lord. There are three brothers they were praying. These three brothers, they were praying that every problem in their life should get out. Every problem in their life should get out. So, as they were praying, that prayer was going on. Then they changed the prayer point. Bless me, O Lord. Let your blessing come into my life. And they begin to pray. Come into my life. Come into my life. Come into my life. Then one of them got carried away. He got carried away. He slept off as they were praying. Then they changed the prayer point again. Every bad spirit in my life, get out. So these brethren were praying, get out. Every bad spirit, get out. This brother, before he slept, what was the prayer? Come into my life. (laughs) Suddenly, he woke up. He began to say, come into my life. Come into my life. Why others were sending away what is in their life? Brethren, when we are in the church, don't sleep. Wake up. You don't know what your neighbor is sending out. Praise the Lord. And I pray, the problem of somebody will never become your problem in Jesus' name. So, this man, the the spirit in him, 
they challenge Jesus that they don't want to go away. And Jesus granted them their request that they should go into the swine. And what happened? Verse 13. And fourth, Jesus with gave them leave and the unclean spirit about 2,000. Again, I told you legion. Now, the mention figure here. About 2,000. You can imagine about 2,000 spirits living in somebody's life. How will it not live in the grave? Sometimes they may have conference. The legion may have conference. By the time they are having their conference, what do you think will be happening in his life? They will make him to be more mad because everything is happening within him. At times they will be quarreling. So you begin to imagine why he chose to live in the graveyard. About 2,000 spirits. And one spirit which is Holy Spirit is enough to chase them out. It's enough. He that dwell in us is greater than that in the world. This is what is happening here. And they that okay I take that verse 13 again. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine and he had run violently down the steep steep place into the sea. And they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. You see, Jesus Christ is very smarter than them, than those spirits. They still perish. They were all perish. Because as they enter into the swine, they ran into the sea and they were shocked up. So they were completely destroyed. He granted them their request, but at the same time, he still allow them to be destroyed. I pray that everything that trouble you shall leave you and they shall perish into the lake of fire in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, what do you think will happen to the owner of those swine? They can, like, I will say this, I will say it in English so that you can understand what I'm saying. I wanted to say it in my language before. There are some things that will happen that you will open your meal. Maybe you, you, you have gone, someone has gone to McDonald's or wherever. That you will get your meal. You, let's say you, you are buying a pizza or burger. You will, not, you will not, something will happen that you will not even wait to receive the tomato paste. And that is exactly what happened in the life of those swine owner. When they saw what happened, for you, for you not to see evil, not just your eyes, your leg will contribute. You have to run. Quickly, they ran away. So, back to what we are talking about. I'm giving you all this for you to appreciate the permanent changes that happen in the life of this man. Notice the changes in, the, in this man's after Jesus showed up. The man couldn't be born with chain, was now comforted. 
He was sitting and clothed. Peace has replaced torment. Instead of being driven about by the demon, he's calm and comforted. He's no longer out of control. He is completely sane and a person in his rational mind. And what happened? Those swine owner, they ran away, but they later came back. And when they ran away, they did something. They evangelized. Not gossiping. They evangelized. They went to inform people what has happened. And people came back to see. And when they came back, they saw the man seated. Now, that is the motive for this man. This is the, what I term as the motive that made him, as stated in verse 18, that he wanted to follow Jesus Christ. Now, I'm moving to verse 19 now. I told you 18, 19, and 20 are the major things we are going to be looking at. The mission of evangelism in this man's life. The mission. First, the simplicity of this mission. His mission is very simple. And when we talk of mission, what is mission? Mission can be defined as assignment, task, operation. Verse 19a, let's look at what he says. 19a. How beat Jesus suffer him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friend. That is the simple of the mission that Jesus Christ has given to him. Go home to thy friend. You don't have to be a theologian before you become witness. So, what is witness? Witness is someone by who by explanation and demonstration give audible and visible evidence of what he has seen and heard without being deterred by the consequences of his action. So Jesus has told him, go to your friend. That is just the simple, uh, the simplicity of his mission. Now, what is the subject of the mission? Verse 19b. Tell them how great the thing the Lord has done for thee. If this man has the opportunity of singing, I'm sure he will sing the popular song we have here. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Now we sing how great, how great he sang. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ has given him the subject of the mission. Brethren, what is the mission that God is giving you? What are the things you are noticing in your life? What are the changes you are noticing in your life? You need to identify this. 
You need to have this. You need to look into this and pass the message. You, you may not ask to go to somewhere and have revival. No. The simple thing that God has done for you, for telling your neighbor that, praise the Lord, brother. Do you know that today when I get to the office, my boss smile at me. Maybe you have a boss that anytime when you greet him, say yes, uh-huh. why are you greeting me? What happened? But suddenly smile at you. <laughs> it's part of where you can testify to the glory of God. Because for those people that have that kind of boss, some bosses will be telling you, I'm telling you, you will leave this company. You will leave this country. But suddenly the same boss call you. Say, how are you doing today? How is your family? It is a great thing. You can tell others. You can tell your neighbor. You can tell your colleagues. This is part of the evangelism. But when you are telling them, don't personalize it. Don't say, because I can pray. Let the honor be given to whom is due. To the God and Jesus Christ Almighty. And I pray, whatever difficult situation we have, that we are experiencing in our various offices, God will intervene. Either you or your spouse Whatever challenges they are facing, God will intervene for testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. So, verse 19b, tell them how, what God has done. Our witness should not be about us or about our church. It is all about Jesus. Don't go to your office and say, Yo, my pastor prayed today. Do you believe that somebody who has not been able to walk for long stood up? You are not giving God that glory. You are giving it to your church. So when you are telling people about what God has done for you, you need to attribute it to Jesus Christ. Don't say your church. Don't say your church. He will ask you, Brother, or he can call you your name. Maybe because those that are in the world, they don't call you brother. Francis, where do you say this won't happen? It's in my church. I want to be there. So this will speak for you. Don't advertise yourself. Today I pray and this happened. Jesus Christ is the one doing it. So when you are witnessing... Don't personalize it. It's coming out through you. At the same time, you don't have to personalize it. Give the glory to church. Number three. Under the mission for the evangelism. I'm still in uh, verse 19. I've talked about the simplicity of the mission. The subject of the mission. Now, the seriousness of the mission. Verse 19c. And had compassion on thee. Jesus was still talking there. Now I will read verse 19 in full for us to link them together. How be it, Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friend. Some Bible recorded it as to thy friend and family. And tell them how great. How great things 
the Lord has done for thee, and had had compassion on thee. He received the sympathy of God. So this is the theme for this man to go and evangelize. So begin to think within your mind how this man, even seeing him alone, is an evidence, it's a testimony. Because for those who, who had known him, seeing him walking as a free man shows that something has happened in his life. Even if he was not saying anything, some people will be bold to ask. There are some people that that boldness is in them. I remember we went somewhere and somebody called me and said, please, can I touch your daughter's hair? I said, why? He said, because the way it is, I don't know, is it made by machine? I said, no, it is not by machine that they can touch it. Whereas some people will be looking at us as if we are strange people because of the air of, the, of my daughter. And so, for those that have boldness, they come and ask. So, also if this man is walking, suppose he was walking alone. Some people will have that boldness to come. Are you not the one living in the graveyard? What happened to you? Then, what will he say? He said, Jesus Christ has done this for me. So, for him to walk along the street, that alone is evangelism. So, let people see what God has done in your life. Show it. Be proud with it. It is not by your making. It is by God who has done it for you. So, I pray that God will do something in your life. Even when your enemy sees it, he will be forced to say, brother, congratulations. And when this happens, don't forget to give the honor unto whom honor is due. Part C. I've talked about two parts now. The first one is the motive of evangelism. Second one is the the mission of evangelism. Now, lastly, the method of evangelism for this man. And that is in verse 20. As a reminder, I told you I'll be talking about those three verses. Verse 18, 19, and 20. Now we are in 20. Step one. Under the method of evangelism, you need to surrender. You need to release yourself. If you don't surrender, if you don't release yourself, you might not be able to do it. And how do you surrender? You need to remove doubt in your mind that can I do it? Will I be able to do this? You need to get that one off from your mind. You can do it. Nobody is born with this. It is God that has instilled it into our life. If you ask for Holy Spirit, God will give it unto you. So, verse 20a. So, the man left and went all through 
the ten towns. I use ten towns here because if you look at in the Bible, he and he said he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. This Decapolis, I wanted to know what is the meaning. That's how I got to know that it was a Greek word for ten. Jesus told him just to go to his friend. Now, it is recorded here that he went to Decapolis. He departed. He didn't argue. He surrendered immediately and went away to do that. So, the first thing for you is to surrender. The book of Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Once you surrender yourself, you can as well do this. You surrender to proclaim what God has done in your life. And I pray the Spirit for us to submit totally. Because one thing is for you to surrender. Maybe you still have one secret thing you are doing. You are afraid of what people is going to say about that. And that is detaining you from doing your evangelism. Whatever secret sin that is preventing you from surrendering yourself totally to God. God will remove it in Jesus name. So he went to ten towns, not just one. I don't know, maybe that is where his friends are. But I'm sure this man will want to do what we call Nyanga in Nigeria. That is, you want to walk majestically. Show that, yes, this is me. He didn't limit himself to just his area. He went around to show himself, yes, once I was in a, I was living in the graveyard, but today, this is me. This is me. So he went to places. And when you, when you go to these places, you have to seek. That is step two. You need to seek and begin again to publish. Because the word publish, if I will say it, that means maybe he has a book and he publish it. Start showing people this is what God has done. Broadcasting to people what God has done in his life. Mark 16, uh, Mark 6, 34 says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You can as well do the same thing. You can see some people that are idle. You can see some people that they want to listen to this word of God. It is for you to seek. It is for you to look for them. To find them. And you, when you find them, what do you do? You share. That is step four. You share the word with them. We are still in verse 20. Whatever I'm telling you now is within the verse 20. Began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus has done for him. And all men did marvel. They were 
surprise. Now, during the Haggai training that we have last year, we were told that the greatest offense in the desert, do you know? The greatest offense in the, in the desert. The greatest offense in this desert is to find water and keep silent. We were told in the, during the Agai training, and I employ you when you, if you have the opportunity of attending that training, it is very wonderful. If somebody finds water in the desert and keeps silent, <laughs> you know what it means. So you need to share the word. You need to testify. You need to honor the God who has done it in your life. Don't keep quiet. Don't cover it. I don't want people to know that I've been promoted. I don't want people to know that it is better for me now. Even if you are not going to say it, there's a way you live your life that people will be forced to ask you. Brother, last time you were complaining, what has happened to your life? You say it is Lord doing. So you need to share. Don't be selfish. This man was not selfish. So I think you are linking everything together how you can evangelize. Try to prioritize evangelism in your life. And again, when you share, you are sharing, what happened? You cannot share something that is not visible. You need to show it. You need to show it. Like I told you, the man will not just stay in one place with his family alone and be telling them. He will walk with boldness. In fact, there is a way we walk that if you don't want to notice him, he can decide to be walking this way. Then you, someone will ask, what happened to that brother? You don't know him. He was formerly living in the graveyard. So you need to show it, brethren. You have to show it, what God has done for you. Don't keep it to yourself. Show it to people. It will bring people closer to God. Because the God that has done it for you, will do it in their life. The God who has done it in somebody's life, don't think that it is impossible. There are a lot of testimony that we are hearing from here. Don't conclude with, within your mind that, no, 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 it's only for him. Jesus Christ is for everyone. One sister was giving testimony here one day, he used one word. He said, the glory of God radiates in, in our life. I begin to look at it, radiate, radiate. When the glory of God shines in your life, people will definitely come to you. They, want, they will want to associate with you. Everybody wants to associate with successful men of God. They want to get closer to them. Even some politicians, people want to associate with them. But we have someone that is greater than those ones. A friend of mine sent text message to me that uh, Amrava visited him in his house. They were asking for so many things. Then he told them that, look, I'm paying my tithe. I don't think you should come here and remove every, anything. 
Brethren, believe it or not, they didn't take anything away from there. This is how to show it that you are serving a living God. The God who listens. You should not have to be made to feel guilty about not sharing the gospel. You shouldn't even have to be reminded weekly. Every week we are coming here every Friday or maybe every Sunday, Sunday. That you have been commanded to tell others about Jesus. You should be motivated by the amazing changes in your life. You should be motivated with the changes that he has created in your life. Brethren, it might not be directly into your life that this is happening. It might be to your children, to your spouse, to somebody else closer to you. Don't think that your prayer is not being answered. You can pray that you want this, but if God knows that what you are praying for will be a disadvantage to you, he will never give you. He can decide to give you alternative. So, there is need for us to appreciate what God has done. It is not your duty to convict or it is not your duty to even convert. But it is your duty to convey. You need to pass it on. When you pass it on, God will do the rest. All you need to do is simply to tell what happened. Because what this man did was to go to ten towns to inform others what happened. So all you need to do also is to tell God what happened. People can criticize you. People can tell you all sorts of things. Don't look there. An evangelist was uh, evangelized one day. And a lady approached him and said, Look, brother, I don't like the way you are doing this. Your evangelist, evangelism, I don't like it. The, the evangelist said, yes, I don't like it either. Myself, I don't like the way I'm doing it. So please tell me, how are you doing it? You know what the lady said? The lady said, I'm not doing it. <laughs> then the evangelist said that, okay, I think I like the way I'm doing it, which is more better than the way of your own not doing it. Brethren, whatever it is, don't look at what people will say. Speak to someone. Tell someone what God has done in your life. In conclusion, if you are a Christian, a born again Christian, you possess the greatest news in history. But are you sharing this news to others? During the discipleship training, I remember in one of the classes, I was told that telling somebody that Jesus loves you is enough. Are you sharing it? Are you saying this? So I want to conclude that let evangelism be our priority. Acts of Apostle, chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea's 
and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Brethren, this morning once again, as I've illustrated through the story of this man, you also, you can evangelize for God. So let evangelism be your priority. Shall we rise up? We are going to tell God, Lord, the Spirit for me to discern, to interpret what you have done for me, to know what to say and to appreciate what you have done in the presence of people. Father, endow me in the mighty name of Jesus. Continue to pray. Just continue to thank the Lord. God has spoken. God has told us his heart's desire. Because that was the commandment of God. Go therefore and preach. Tell them the good news. Evangelize. God has reminded us of his heart cry. Thank God that he has spoken to you and to me today. Just say, thank you, Lord. Your voice has come loud and clear. We hear your voice. We recognize your words. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Today, you and I have the words of God. We have the powerful words of God in us. All we need to go is go and tell someone, God loves you. God died for you and for me. You can live a life of eternity in God's presence. That's all you need to do. It's your job and my job to convey the good news. It's not your job or my job to convince or to convert. Can we not do that? We are experts at talking. We are experts at sending messages. Convey the good news. Talk the good news. Send the message of the good news. But ask yourself this question. How motivated are you today to touch the lives of the lost? Ask yourself that question. How motivated are you today to touch the lives of your friends, to touch the lives of your family? Or are you like Jonah, who said, I know God, I know that you will change the people. And that's why I did not want to say anything. 
Are we selfish? Or are we motivated? If we did not know what we should be doing, today you and I know our mission. Our mission. I hope you have understood your mission. What method are you going to use? God has given us creativity. God has given us the ability to think. God has given us the ability to do things differently. Choose your method, but convey the good news. Some write, some talk, some sing, some chat, some write emails. It doesn't matter. Some shout from the rooftops. Choose your method. Will you share today what the Lord has done for you? Father God, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Father, that you have reminded us again from your word. That commandment which you have given us long time back. Father God, we have so often become inward looking. Trying to just build ourselves up. Selfish to the core. Change our heart, Lord. Change our way of thinking. Help us to recognize today, Lord Father, that you have placed us in this land for a purpose. You have already given us the promise that no sword can go through this land. That you are going to give peace in this land, Lord Father. That's your promise for us for this year. Help us to do what we should be doing, Lord Father. We thank you, Lord, that today you have used brother so beautifully, Lord Father. So powerfully you have used him to bring this word across to us. And we ask, Lord Father God, that your further anointing will be poured out upon him, Lord Father. That you will bless him and his family, Lord Father. That he shall stand here in days to come to deliver more of your word. In powerful words, Lord Father. We thank you, we praise you. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for each and every one of us here. I pray, Lord, that these words which have been planted into us today shall bear fruit. Nothing shall be on hard ground, but it shall be on good soil. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we share the grace, just a reminder to the men. Some of you might have received this uh, information sheet about tomorrow morning's early morning prayer. Please remember that the venue is not the old new hall. Sorry, the old main hall. Uh, it's the room in the Bible Society building. So please remember, we still meet at our usual place, Bible Society building, uh, 5.30 tomorrow morning. And for the sisters, old hall tomorrow afternoon, 4 p.m. Shall we share the grace? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.
step out brothers and sisters as motivated people ready to share the word of God.